All right, I think we're live. We are indeed. All right, well, uh, welcome back, everyone, to Talking as a Free Action, the D&D podcast where we occasionally say correct things. Uh, I am your host, uh, Owen, here today, and uh, joined with my esteemed co-host. Hey, I'm Marvin. And uh, we are joined by a third uh, talking head today. Uh, Dustin, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yes, hi, I'm the talking head. Uh, my name is Dustin Steiner, and uh, I'm an esports journalist. Um, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for, oh, consistently probably about six years now. But I've been playing since I was on and off since I was in high school, uh, back way back in. Uh, the, Are you gonna date yourself? <laughs> yeah, I absolutely am. Way back in the far off time of 2004 is when I first played Dungeons and Dragons. So, um, yeah, so a long time player, um, not so first time being on stream with us, <laughs> but well, I was going somewhere with that. I don't know where it went. But yes, hey, but I, I do just want to say, even even if, you know, talking's free actions is occasionally wrong, it's still a free action, so it costs you nothing. Exactly. You know, that's a great point. Uh, <laughs> honestly, we might lift that for branding. Um, <laughs> so. Listen, I, I, I'll, uh, I'll bill you my consultation fee, okay? <laughs> talking is a free action. It costs you nothing. <laughs> um. <laughs> so um so we have a pretty fun topic lined up today um and of uh, of course uh, with our guest uh, we'll be discussing today uh what major character moments and character arcs was that right yeah that sounds right i believe right. that was what i suggested to you earlier this week yes <laughs> yeah yeah i believe that was correct I, I had to double check the the message but i believe that's what we came up with <laughs> um so um i know you'd kind of alluded to it but uh you've actually played D on stream before right i have um yeah i've been i've played on um esports rpg uh i believe they've rebranded their channel to um rpg chronicles now but um yeah it was part of a campaign that played weekly on um wednesdays from five to eight pacific and we played for about i don't know about seven months or so weekly mm-hmm so. I see. Do you think that there's a big difference between playing for like an audience versus playing a home game? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I think that you know playing a home game is a lot more raw. Uh, you get a lot more um, impromptu and slightly inappropriate humor that you probably wouldn't want on stream, lest your Twitch channel get banned. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot more. Um, just formalities, you know, kind of introducing what's happened to the the audience, and uh, you know, you try and be a little bit more uh, entertaining and theatrical rather than just uh, all business of just getting through the roles, kind of thing. So you feel like there's maybe more of a performative element to it when you're, you know, playing for an audience. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, you're definitely way more on than you are, uh, you know just playing a home game yeah mm-hmm. playing a home game you tend to be more like yeah i'm just chilling with my buddies you know i'm just i'm bullshitting and talking and just making random jokes and mm-hmm. inappropriate humor and uh all sorts of stuff like that and uh it's um 
you have to be much more like your public face with your you're streaming a game like that on Twitch, uh, especially for um, if you're any sort of known figure at all. Uh, you know, like mm. I, I can't, I can't exactly, uh, you know, have gone off on any sort of weird tangents or anything like that. If, uh, if I wanted to keep my job uh, on stream. <laughs> so uh, given that I'm a, you know, I'm an esports journalist and, I, I mean, I'd be the most well-known one in the world, but I'm well-known enough to where if I say something really stupid, it'll it'll spread. Yeah, I can definitely imagine that might be a a, a concern. Although, I, I guess realistically, with you know the way that the internet is nowadays, just being online in any sort of capacity is kind of a risk, uh, you know, cost, uh, you know, um, return investment, you know, risk analysis kind of deal. Oh, for sure. I mean, like you know. Don't go on to podcasts or or shows that you think might have a uh, risky reputation if you're, you know, any kind of public figure like that or, you know, any anything like that really. Um, but you know, it all comes down to trusting the people that you play with, and uh, you know, if they have an equal amount to lose or gain by doing so, then you you know you can trust them to to not. Uh, go out of left field uh, with anything like that on stream. Um, you know, which is, that was the case with uh, eSports RPG. Everybody there was a, some form of professional in the, the eSports space. So we were all definitely trying, we we're all keeping it very PG and very um, <laughs> non, uh, what's the right word? As non-inflammatory as possible. Non-inflammatory, non-confrontational, non uh, we definitely didn't really talk about esports all that much on there, just because, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think you bring up a good point. And Marvin, I wanted to kind of bring you in on this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you had mentioned, you know, trust is really important. And I feel like as a DM, trust is probably one of the biggest things that you need to have with your player. Um, if you really want to kind of execute on a like an actual character arc. Um, so, Marvin, I want kind of your take on that. Uh, trust is probably the most important thing uh, on both sides. Uh, as a player, you have to trust that your DM is going to have your, your best entertainment interests at heart, your character's best interests, and, uh, and their, their growth arc in mind. And uh, as a DM, you have to trust that your player is going to actually, you know, try to have their character experience things in a way that... Uh, it's into the story. Do you think it's necessary for there to be a growth arc, or do you think that... I, I mean, surely people can just have fun playing a static character, too. I mean, there's always an arc. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be positive growth, but there's always there's always growth. Because there's always an arc. Um, even if that growth is just, you know learning something new just any one thing leveling up could be your art mm. um just like getting new abilities yeah like we've all seen dragon ball goku has a flat <laughs> character arc it's a character arc he grows it's just his personality is not what grows about him yeah it's you know in dragon ball it's very much you know it's the fact that he doesn't change it doesn't 
do all that stuff is, is what inspires everyone else around him to grow and change. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I suppose I could see it that way. Um, I mean, certainly Goku's um, influence on the rest of the cast around him I don't think can be overlooked. I mean, I know that Naruto gets the, the joking, like, talk no jutsu, but I, I do think that um, that Dragon Ball in a lot of ways pioneered the, you know, defeat means friendship uh, trope. I mean, yeah. Not pioneered it, but it definitely utilizes it. It, it was one of the first. It's a shonen trope for a reason, and Dragon Ball is the progenitor of 80% of shonen tropes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, how do you guys set up character arcs? Because, like, I know, like, when you're writing a story, it's really easy to just, you know, like, I want my characters to do X, but d d is a lot more collaborative than that, so, you know, when you guys are sitting down, like, at what point do you guys plan your character arcs? Do you, like, set that up ahead of time before you sit down to the sessions? Do you kind of develop it in-game? Like, what's your approach? Uh, Dustin, you want to start us off? Uh, sure. Uh, I, I can't really speak too much from a DM perspective, but from a player perspective, um, when I'm making a character, I tend to um, have an idea in mind of, like, what I want the character to do and like the sort of story I want to kind of tell with that character. And basically I'll just kind of put some hooks in my backstory for the DM to sort of latch onto and, and build off of, um, you know, so, and then from there, it just kind of develops naturally as I go throughout the game and, you know, interact with the different characters, you know, either at the table or NPCs um, to kind of dictate you know, kind of react to, like, what's happening around him and stuff. Okay. So it sounds okay. like a lot of that's kind of, before you sit down to the session, really kind of in the, the genesis phase, I guess, of, of character creation, where you're really kind of thinking of, like, what the core idea is of the character itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's definitely, like, pre-session zero stuff. And then, like, you know, then I sit down for session zero, and I talk with the DM about it. And I'm like, is this realistic? Is this something that would fit into the story you're trying to tell, too? Like, do you think that something else would be better? You know, and just sort of, like, bounce back and forth until, you know, both me and the DM have something that we're happy with, and then we go from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's definitely a way. I know that you said mentioned kind of bouncing off of, of characters at the table. You know, to what extent do you kind of let the other players or I guess the DM kind of influence that character arc? You know, have you ever made like a 180 on what you thought it was going to be? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, when I was playing an esports RPG, like, I had an idea for what I wanted the character to be. So basically, basically I was playing a bard that uh, my my idea for the story was oh, okay, I want this guy to just be like, oh, I don't want to live, you know, a provincial life of, of, a, of a tanner, basically, of a leather worker. And he, you know, so he's like, I'm going to go off and, and pursue my a music career. And, you know, I, I did that, and I submitted my, my, my story and everything. But the, the DM, we didn't really get a chance to have a real session zero. So what I didn't realize was that in this campaign, every character was secretly connected to some to a country in that world as like, you know, either an heir or like an, a lord or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, that's not where I thought this was going at all. So like, he just 
sort of like discovers this you know hidden connection that he didn't know about despite like just sort of ending ending up tagging along with this group of uh how to describe it nobles? i don't know nobles yeah like he, he just sort of gets swept along in this adventure because at the very beginning of the campaign basically like this there's this meeting of lords and like it gets attacked by the big bad evil you know big bad evil guy whatever and uh you know we they, they just get swept along into this adventure and like you know he's just like sort of like awestruck to be there but then they discover that he's also a lord of you know where he's from that he didn't know so mm. yeah so it just kind of ended up being like this um i don't want to say shoehorned character arc but it it, it kind of felt that way sometimes but it definitely went uh, a different direction than i expected it to mm-hmm. um i've had a similar experience um actually with my favorite character that i've ever played um the stream has heard about isaac Shadowfist before my uh my quote-unquote jedi who was not really a jedi but um at one point, we find out that he's a clone, and that is not something that I had discussed with the DM prior to that. And uh, that really changed the character, uh, because up until that point, he had been trying to um, take back the throne of the planet he's from, uh, because he was exiled for reasons. Um, but his his plan was to overthrow the the current monarch and take back the planet and then he finds out that he's a clone and you know he doesn't even believe that he has the right to do that anymore uh it really flipped the character's entire worldview upside down and uh threw that whole plan out the window it was great and you said that was something that the dm just kind of dropped on your on your lap did you i mean uh, we had not discussed him being a clone. We discussed him having a clone. But we had not discussed him being the clone. Ah, uh, I see. That is a really interesting uh, kind of way to kind of get informed consent, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, hey, man, I was kind of thinking it might be kind of cool if your character had a clone. How would you feel about that? Well, that was actually my idea. <laughs> that part was okay. my idea. And then he was like, Psych, you're the clone now. <laughs> like, oh no. Uh, so, I mean, that was pretty cool. Um, and, like, if it's something that you're cool with, it's always fun when you find out something about your character that you didn't plan. Um, like, in our current campaign that we play in, Arden didn't know he was a planeswalker. Nick didn't know Arnon was a planeswalker. That was something that was just, you know, thrust upon him. And I think that's done great things for him as a character. Yeah, I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to disagree with that. I think that it's, in a lot of ways, given him kind of a new lease on the character's, um, like, potential within the story. And it's made his character a lot more central, whereas before, I would say up until around that point in the story, he certainly was a central character but not centrally relevant to the plot it seemed he was kind of, of time. helping out tagging along 
Yeah, and maybe Dustin, you might have a different perspective on that. Um, what whether he was central to the plot? Yeah, like up until that point, because I mean, I, unlike I think, Marvin, you played a lot longer in that. Yeah, campaign. yeah, for sure. Um, I I think that he he was central to the plot in that he was a key player in the party, but like not a lot of stuff happened to his character or. You know, it was mostly just him reacting to what happened to the other characters in the party. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, he wasn't necessarily just tagging along to help out. He was, you know, adventuring because, you know, friendship and all that. But, you know, he wasn't, um, he he definitely wasn't the, the guy driving the plot. Uh, that that role went to Dev until his untimely uh, demise, or so it seemed. Yeah, up until that point. Um, so I mean, it's, so it sounds like as long as you, as long as you kind of discuss the character arc with the DM, they at least gave you the tools to kind of fulfill that. Um, you know, if if they know what they're doing, or it perhaps set you up to subvert those expectations. Um, you know, I know you kind of brought up Devian. That was the the cleric that you had played in our campaign. Um, when you created that character, what was the the character arc that you were kind of imagining for that? And do you think that that played out? how you expected it to. Boy, you're asking me to remember things three years ago. Uh, I remember so, them just like yesterday. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I wish I wish I could say the same. Lots of stuff has happened in the last three years. Um, so when, uh, when I first made Debian, I was just like, well, I just need a character to play in this game. Consistent. Like, I, didn't, I didn't really know exactly what I was going to do. So I remember having a chat with you about it. And, um, you know, we definitely decided that we wanted to do something with familial ties, um, but, like, that I wanted to be estranged for some reason. So we ended up starting off Debian uh, basically in a monastery all the way across the world from his parents. And he was sent there for mysterious reasons. And I was to discover what those reasons were and uh, find out what, you know, what happened to my parents, basically. Um, and, yeah, I think it's, I mean, I don't think things exactly, I, I definitely found out what happened. I don't think <laughs> I expected exactly what it was, but. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, he ended up being the. Uh, the bastard child of of uh, my mother and a lord that basically, you know, had a history of uh, using and abusing um, human women, uh, and he was an elf. So the society looked kind of looked down on human elf relations, and it's only very recent that that like it even became socially acceptable for them to even talk to them. So uh, yeah, uh, it was not. It ended up being not a happy tale. Yeah, I mean, definitely, it, it took a turn for the like revenge is the only thing on my mind. I guess um, yeah. at some point, it, it definitely became a revenge plot after a while, just because like once once he discovered what what happened, it was like, oh well, this this guy's this got guy's pay. Ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but I think that there was a lot of, of really nice character moments kind of along the way that led up to that kind of climax in your character's story, I guess. Um, 
you know, obviously, yeah. like, finding out the, the fate of your, you know, uh, of your mother, you know, whom, whom I guess you had presumed was alive up until proven otherwise, and kind of those initial interactions with your father, you know, for me as a DM, I think it was, it, it's always really interesting to kind of take the the kernel of what you're trying to do and saying like, okay, like, I don't want to just serve it up how you expect it, right? I want to spice it somehow. Um, mm -hmm. So what can I do with that? So the thing that I have, you know, coming in is, okay, I have a character who's motivated to find his family or to discover more about his lineage because he's been disconnected from it somehow. Okay. Uh, well, let's point him in a direction at least. <laughs> and that's kind of how I started because most of that stuff I didn't have planned up until, you know, I want to say it was like really close to when the events happened, but I would say prior to arriving in Bramble Branch, I didn't really have a clear outline on what your exact character was going to discover. Right. Right. Um, I mean, he definitely had a, a good reason to head that way anyway, because he was after the, um, at that, well, at that time, we thought he was a big bad evil, a big bad evil person, but he uh, he ended up being a big bad evil person after pretending to be a good guy for a little while. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was gonna say like I'm pretty sure he still is the big bad evil person. Well, he but... is, but yeah, he is now. But for a minute there, he was also mission giver, and you know, uh, our. Um, patron i guess for a minute there uh you know funding our excursion and and whatnot uh but he uh yeah it <laughs> didn't didn't stay that way for very long did it um but yeah so yeah he was after him and then you know caught up with him and then dealt with all the family drama in bramble branch and uh definitely uh was uh some really good character moments you know like confronting his father and you know uh basically sparking a civil war because he didn't realize there was political things going on in the council when he confronted him in front of other politicians um, uh, yeah classic. yeah yeah <laughs> it was like, he was he was busted but he yeah it, it turned into a, a gigantic uh brouhaha that resulted in in Devian's, uh what would have been demise had uh, had he not uh, ignited a spark from almost dying. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Welcome. Um, yeah, I mean, so would you say that that's your um, that's like kind of like the the big moment that you remember, or do you think that like are there any like what's the most memorable character moment from that character arc? You would say. I think that was it, honestly. I think that that was the climax was definitely the most memorable part. Uh, there were other memorable moments for sure, like you know, like Debian's introduction. I thought was pretty cool, like him just kind of showing up to this, you know, battle that's in progress that isn't going well, and you know, ending up uh, being the guy that you know not only um, <laughs> not like not really saves the party, but at least assists the party, but ends up burning the whole dungeon down by uh, yanking free uh, a key cast quest item. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I thought that was memorable. And then, like, just him getting to know the party and, and just sort of, like, you know, how that whole, like, 
you know, all the character interactions there I thought were great. Um, definitely, like, finding out, uh, you know, what happened to his mother I thought was, was really good, too. Um, you brought it up in a Facebook post the other day. And uh, I thought that was really good. Um, for sure. Yeah, for me, that was one of my favorite sequences, I guess I would say. It's hard to say, like what that exactly was, but it was a really fun kind of um, mini arc, I guess, um, as you guys kind of followed up the clues on, you know, kind of the whereabouts of your mother, um, Mm -hmm. I would say. And I think that like, for me, that's one of my, not the biggest, but like one of my favorite, like session ending, like, you know, scenes that that I've run Um, just because like, I wasn't sure how your character was going to respond. And like, I think that for that, I think your character learned a little bit of, I mean, maybe I'm inferring a little bit much, but like I feel like part of that that mini arc with with the hag that lived in your in your childhood home, I think part of that um, your character learned a little bit of humility prior to um, kind of that that rough news. So I think that that was a a really fun moment for me as a DM because it took a character who's normally very headstrong and very um, very active and certain in their decisions and put you in a in a position where your character was. Um, emotionally in a lot weaker of a state than they normally would be, um, in part because of of the the interaction with the hag, you know, prior to, um, and then kind of the the devastating news. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Good. No, I was gonna say like that. Part of uh, talking about these uh, these sessions is um, our audience hasn't seen them before, so I think it probably uh, would would be worth it for us to. For you to maybe explain what happened exactly, <laughs> sure. uh, I can I can try. Um, so, okay, I'll try and set the scene. So we, um, after many weeks of traveling, uh, you know, together and adventuring through, uh, you know, various towns and like you know, completing a lot of uh, good deeds and such, we finally make it all the way uh, across this continent and on a boat to um to Bramble Branch, which is the not the capital, but it's definitely a big port town in, in another on another continent. Um so we, we get there and you know Devian, uh my cleric is looking for information about his mother. Um he begins to find breadcrumbs that uh that he was or that she was involved with the, the Lord uh oh God. Ask me to remember names Albion. Albion, thank you. Albion Guiltleaf, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, yes, the Lord Albion Guiltleaf. And uh, so, you know, they find they find out, you know, more information about that. And, you know, it, it's revealed that, yes, he, he was involved with her on some, some, some form of romantic level um, that turns out to be not so innocent. Um, and, and basically, uh, that the whole reason Debian was sent away was because, you know, this child, the, I was, or not I, getting stuck in roleplay. Uh, you, can, you can say I when you're talking about your characters. Yeah. I do it all the time. Sure. So, yeah. so basically, my character was uh, born under inauspicious circumstances, was not supposed to happen. Uh, so he tried to have my mother killed. Uh, and succeeded, um, honestly. Yeah, so uh, 
you know, they, uh, you know, they found out where, where she was like staying basically to be a secret and where he would visit. Um, and so they, they go to find this, this cottage that's located out in the woods around the, the city. Um, they find it and come across a hag that has taken up residence in the, uh, in the shack. And, uh, you know, his mother is, is not there. So, Demian's immediate uh, assumption is that the hag has something to do with his mother's death, uh, which probably, given the context clues, wasn't wasn't a, a, a excellent assumption on his part. But he didn't know all this information quite yet, um, so he, you know, he tries to confront the hag. Doesn't go well. Uh, they end up talking their way out of the, the confrontation because they would have probably party wiped had they continued fighting the hag. Um, and, and then the hag's like, go see for yourself. Her remains are downstairs. And, you know, Debian goes downstairs, like just shocked basically. And, you know, finds his, you know, his mother's remains and she'd been buried in, in her, you know, in an outfit that he recognized. And that was, he just collapsed to his knees and, and started bawling basically. And that's how the session ended. Ooh, emotional. It was. Okay. Yeah. Did I did I did I remember that right, Alan? Yeah, I mean that those are the major those are the major story beats. I mean, like, yeah, there's some some connective tissue in between that um that was missed, but I think that like those are the major story beats that I think are are relevant to the to the character's arc. Um, you know, and and to be fair, like I don't think it would have been a party wipe, but it wouldn't have been a good time. <laughs> no, no, um, it wasn't going well. Let's put it that way. I think within two rounds, your character was on their knees, prostrated, praying that they would stop trying to kill you. Oh no, it was bad. Um, it was not good. We should not. Have, we should not have done that. It was, it, was, it was it was it was it was, it was my fault. It was my fault. I'd say we. Everybody else fault. was outside. Everybody else yeah. was standing outside waiting for you because you're like, I'm gonna go in there and show her what's what. And everyone else is like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't go into the creepy cottage with the creepy lady who opened the door without touching it. I'm just like, no, it'll be fine. We'll be good. This is my house. That's right. I used to live here. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite, time, that's all right. I think my favorite part about this whole situation is that you basically walked into a hag's house and demanded that the hag get out of your house. I did. <laughs> it was my house. <laughs> like I think what what we, what we really need to know is how it is that your character manages to walk around with with uh you know with uh, heavy ones that big. <laughs> I mean, Listen, the, the, he he wasn't really thinking about things at that point. Okay, he, it wasn't wasn't something that was well thought out. He was just he's like, finally, I'm gonna get some answers. And he went in there, and there's this hag there, and he was just like, what the fuck? Get out of here! <laughs> and then she threw a blizzard in your face, and you're like, oh wait, yeah, pretty much. Bad. Wait, wait, this wait. No, no, not good. <laughs> bad touch. <laughs> Oh god, she's in the walls. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like the grudge. This is bad. <laughs> What's the grudge? I don't know. I don't I don't know how I know what the grudge is, but that's okay. <laughs> well, it's a clearly a folktale that was passed down generations in your home world. In your home oh, is that right? Is that right? Is that how that works? Okay. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, that's yeah. how all metagaming works. 
Ah, I see. Yeah. That or you, you know, you heard it in a bar or something. Yeah. Yeah. I heard tell of this. The grudge. I don't know. This tape. What's a tape? I don't know. Some artifact. Some artifact. cursed artifact. That's right. That that captures motion. <laughs> Erica bad. did it. Like a moving painting? I don't know what it is, but Erica did it. <laughs> Sorry. Wrong game. No, that's fair. Um, uh, so as DM um, so I know that you don't have any experience DMing Dustin but Marvin you do um, so well, as DM you know when you're when you're kind of setting up for the game how do you kind of prepare the players to kind of prep their character arc or like what exactly is your process because obviously as DMs we want to kind of keep some of it you know concealed we don't want the players to know everything going in um, but we do want their buy-in. So how mm -hmm. do you go about that? Uh, in my experience, most of my players generally don't know exactly where they want their character to go. They know how they want their character to start. Um, so I tend to let them kind of stumble into where their character arc is going to go. Um, by the way they're playing. Um, so... So it sounds like... So it sounds like this is something where you just kind of... You let them kind of create a, a starting point and then just kind of go from there. Yeah, pretty much. Which yeah. I think is maybe like an important... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, which I think is maybe important, because like, I don't want to be daunting for new players. Like, You don't need to plan your whole character arc ahead of time. A lot of it, I think, is kind of mutual discovery on behalf of the DM and the player mm -hmm. um, as you kind of learn your character together. Because when you start off as a new player, you can imagine your character is going to be one way, but until you actually you know, kind of hit those character beats, you, you don't know how you're going to roleplay that character necessarily. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely true. Um, you know, so it's it's just like I don't want it to be too daunting, you know, because a lot of times I think when you're when you're trying to get players, like especially new players, like it's way better just to let them to just start. Like, don't get bogged down with that stuff. Maybe mm -hmm. try to help them out with their backstory. That's always really important, but not to to bog them down with. Hey, what kind of story do you want to tell? Because honestly, it's just it's more important for them to just get into the game. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, I think Dustin was saying something similar about um, uh, Devian. He just kind of needed a character to start the game, you know? Mm -hmm. Bare basic backstory, and it kind of went from there. Um, and that's how most of my players are. Yeah. Um, so I would say that that was definitely the case with, um, with Debbie. And I would almost say that it's similar with, um, I would also almost say that's similar with Dremis too. your current arcane trickster rogue. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah. I mean, basically with Dremis, I, I just was like, oh, I want to play an arcane trickster rogue. And <laughs> that was pretty much where I got with the character. Um, that is you know, great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I had a I had a 
idea of what I wanted to do, because I always used to do this when I played Baldur's Gate. I always had a character that was just ridiculous in, in terms of it was an arcane trickster rogue that could just mirror image and, and just, you know, walk around, just backstab people for 200 damage and things would blow up. And I loved it. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to I'm going to do that. And uh, so that was my that was my whole inspiration for the character. Uh, you know, it, you know the whole you know him being a guard and all that kind of stuff. That was just sort of like window dressing and an excuse for him to be in the party. Uh, anything that I've developed, you know, as far as like his, um, you know, his halfling that talks like Joe Pesci, all that stuff <laughs> has just been like me just bullshitting in the game, and it's just sort of happened. <laughs> So, like, do you, would you say that even now, do you feel like your character has, like, a character arc that you're trying to tell? Um, not really. Like, I, there, there, there's one there, but it's more, like, um, just stuff that's happened. I think his been, has been, like, a very dynamic character arc in terms of, like, he's reacted to what's happened to his character. Like, for example, his, uh, his partner died. Uh, you know, because he was coming in from the from the guard force that was assigned to help the party and escort um, a governor somewhere else. Uh, and in in this in this you know adventure or whatever, his partner ends up dying to a black dragon, and it, it was kind of his fault that this happened. Uh, so it you know he's kind of taken some responsibility uh, from that, and has uh, you know. I think, oh, there's Marvin again. Okay. Sorry about that. And uh, I, I think he's taken, um, like you said, responsibility for that and is kind of trying to apply that to how he deals with the rest of the party now and, like, uh, you know, uh, tries to keep the party on track in terms of uh, what goals they're trying to, to accomplish uh, regardless of what's going on. Um, you know, there's there's other stuff in there like you know, uh, he has a rivalry with someone that the party has uh, dealt with before, um, but that's just sort of a recurring character kind of thing. Hasn't really been something that's been focused on just yet, but uh, mm. given that her home plane blew up uh, due to a, uh, a a miscalculation in uh, converting time zones, basically... Um, <laughs> that's probably the funniest way I've seen that put. So... Uh, yeah. Someone, someone didn't do the do the math right. They brought the character to the one, and uh, basically the <laughs> our whole home world got blown up as a result of that. We didn't make it back in time. But uh, so yeah, that whole character arc is kind of on hold until we figure out how to uh, restore it to the way it was before, if we can. Yeah, and I know that like we spent some time talking about because I know that like for a period of time there was we were considering whether you would return to play Devian. Because I believe also when we kind of, you know, demoed out Dremis, I think the initial intention was only to play him for a few weeks. Yeah, that was the initial intent. Like the, because, uh, basically Debian was being held captive on another plane, and the idea was that the party was going to go and get him. But the problem is that took like a year outside of game time. So <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, I I got to play. Dramas quite a bit longer than I expected to. Uh, so, and I ended up enjoying his character more than Debian's um, in the end. Uh, you know, Debian was basically 
me. I was playing myself, but mm -hmm. a more headstrong version of myself stuck in a fantasy world or whatever. Not an isekai, I promise. Just, you know, it, it wasn't actually me. Hey, but... you don't know the story. Wait, wait, hold on. Does that mean that Quantum Leap is an isekai? Technically. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stargate. God, no. Sliders. Oh, that's all wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> um. Why? <laughs> Why have you done this? You've ruined it. I love this. Um. So yeah, I mean, it, it definitely gave you an opportunity to play something a little bit different than what you were doing, and, and I think part of it too is that like, Devin's character arc was kind of finished <laughs> in a lot Florida. of ways. Yeah, I mean, like he he confronted his father, and his father died. And, you know, like, his mother's already dead. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he he didn't really get to deal with the fallout of, of his actions because he was transported elsewhere as the Civil War erupted around his actions. So, and then the world blew up. So, like, now his character arc's really over. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's trying to help restore his home world. But after that, you know, he'll probably settle down somewhere with... Uh, the um, lovely Tessa. Tessa, yeah, that he met elsewhere, and um, that'll be that. Has been weird watching the end of his character arc when you're not playing him. A little bit, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I I've been, I've been kind of like, wait, okay, yeah, right. That's not me. And so, like, when the other characters are talking to him, I'm like, wait, I want to respond to that, and like, wait, he's, I'm not him anymore. <laughs> okay, so then, like, at the hero and. Try and do his best uh, impersonation of, of my character. I guess. I think I do a pretty bang up job. No, you, do, you do, you do. I think I think I think you've done a a good job of a Debian that's seen some shit now, uh, and he's uh, kind of cooled off a bit. Uh, and yeah. Wants, wants, wants to live a quiet life now, uh, but you know has one last job to do. I, I was gonna say he's not trying to play Debian. He's trying to play Debian after everything. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. <laughs> like he's after he's seen some shit. You know, he's he's tortured. He's lost an arm. Like the the man has had his faith challenged for like several months upon months of, of torture. Uh, so he, he got a new. Oh, arm. I totally forgot about that arm. <laughs> <laughs> we gave him a new one. You did, you did. I totally forgot about it, though. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't hasn't done anything with it yet, so there hasn't been much reason to. Um, we we've been on a bit of a we've been uh, we've been on a bit of a hiatus from that game for the most part uh, for a couple months now, and been playing one shots. So uh, we only just recently returned to it, and we got I got to play all twenty minutes last session because I overslept. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Nick in chat know. says Debian's arc was his arm. That's wonderful. I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> and then he lost it? And then he, he got it back? It. He lost and he got it back? I don't know. I'm not, sure where, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure where that where that metaphor is going, but it was going somewhere. Wait, wait, wait. I think I got it. So his arm is a metaphor for a found family. Oh. And he lost his arm when he lost his found family. And he got a new one when he found a new family. 
But it's the same found family. So it was. So what you're saying is it was a metaphor for beating his wife. I'm sorry. No, it wasn't. I'm just. <laughs> it wasn't. I'm just being fucking stupid. Um. But yeah. No. Yeah, that's right. I'm calling anyway, the so... police. Wait, I can't even do that. He is the police now. Damn it! I am the police. <laughs> I am the law. You have been judged. That's right. <laughs> and you have been found. Uh, um, you have failed this city. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't with you guys. Can. <laughs> or can you? Uh, so um. So Marvin, do you have any uh, standout character moments that you can think of? You know, not necessarily characters that you've played, but maybe characters that you've DM'd. Ooh. Wait a second. I gotta think about this. <laughs> it's alright. I can always edit it out and post. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Um. No, nothing like specifically character related. I guess um, there have been some cool things, but like my game goes on such long breaks sometimes that uh, it takes everybody a little bit to remember who their character even is when we do get to play. Mm-hmm. So like those character changing and character defining moments are few and far between and. Some of them just change who they are all the time. So I guess that kind of means that if you want to have, like, a good character arc, and he's good, like, really loosely here, um, but, like, if you want to have a character arc, I guess that almost necessitates regular play? Um, regular play certainly helps. Um, just because, like, even from my experience, like, Sometimes I just don't remember who I am after a long break when I'm trying to be in character. Um, I promise like regular you. Regular play or like good note taking, I'd, I'd have to expect. Note taking doesn't help you with your, your little mannerisms and your, your quirks. Um, Unless you're also noting for that as well. I, I, I will say that that is definitely an advantage to playing on a streamed game because. If you forget who your character is, you can just go back and watch an episode <laughs> that you that you uh, were already in. And you're like, oh yeah, that's how I was acting. Right, let me get back to character. Um, you're speaking from, ex- from experience. I, I, I am, actually, because uh, I, when I was playing in that stream game, I was playing three games a week. So, like, I was playing, you know, three different characters. Um, so, I definitely had to kind of remember exactly uh you know what mannerisms, what mannerisms were which, and uh, what plot points were happening in which game, and you know it, it was definitely a lot of um, trying to keep things compartmentalized in terms of you know my D and D playing, um, which was hard. Uh, it wasn't always easy. Uh, you know, one one night I'd be playing a monk, and the next night I'm playing a bard, and then that weekend I'm playing a, a rogue that talks like Joe Pesci. Like I, I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> And then, like, somewhere in there, I have to figure out how to be an esports journalist with some sort of professional voice. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, you know, that's actually the hardest part. 
Eh, you'd think. <laughs> well, I imagine throwing on a, uh, you know, semi-okay Joe Pesci accent is not going to, you know, get you the get you the views or the clicks or the... The, I mean, you, hey, you'd be surprised. Like, look, you, look, you, you, you never know, okay? You never know. You, you, you go on, you go on a podcast. You talk like Joe Pesci. You know, you talk about some esports. You know, like I, I don't, I, I, I can't do it right now. <laughs> Maybe I should try that. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing else has seemed to stick, so why not that? <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> You're a loose cannon there. Yeah. Uh, heaven, heavens forbid. Um, <laughs> geez. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess I haven't really talked about the way that, like, I do character arcs for my characters, but I, I do try to have an idea ahead of time. I, I do recall that more recently, at least, um, when I try to introduce people into the game. If they're familiar with the game, I'll talk to them a little bit about maybe what kind of story they want to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try not to pressure them too, too much. Like, um, I recall when we had the um, CC the Warlock join our party, um, I had quite a long discussion with her prior to um, kind of about what sort of character arc she wanted her character to kind of experience. And um, I don't recall exactly where we ended up coming down on that conversation if i'm being truthful um she ultimately ended up leaving the party um before we ever really got to do much with it but i I recall spending a fair bit of time talking to her about um her character's motivation for for adventuring in the first place and how that would tie into like what she wants to do with her character and i think that those are really helpful discussions because it gives you an idea on kind of what sort of game that player wants to experience and helps you kind of tailor that experience and tie that into other elements that you already have kind of up in the air. Cause at the end of the day, DMing is just, you know, plate spinning. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just trying to keep everything in motion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a it lot could, of that. Yeah. I mean, it could be tough. Um, and like even as a player too, like I think if you want to really kind of like execute on a character arc, it can be kind of tough sometimes to really kind of stick to it and not ham fist it. Because I think that it's very, I mean, professional actors we are not, right? So I think it can be very difficult sometimes to convey things that you want to convey about your character. Like I think the the um, the classic like one that people try to do is like, oh, I want to be a loner, right? I'll be a loner that, character. That's so hard to do in a party. Yeah, it is. It's almost like yeah. you're in a group of people, and it's hard to be alone when you're stuck with a group of people. Exactly. Like you can act reluctant, not what like you don't want to be there, but like you know, actually being the guy. Oh, I'm gonna go brood in the corner while the rest of the party's having a good time. It's like, <laughs> like why are you playing? Like, yeah. Like it is a cooperative game at the end of the day, so it's really difficult to do that. I think the the like strong silent types can also be very difficult to play. If I'm being truthful, <laughs> um, they just grunt a lot. <laughs> they can. I do think that Aaron does actually a really good job at it. Um, in the game that we where we're both players in, um, you know, um, in uh, Marvin, you've met Aaron. We we you guys played in a one shot. Yeah. Um. But Aaron actually plays a a 
cleric, a war cleric? Yes, a war cleric. Um, okay. In our campaign, and his character is, you know, a, a, a man of few words, where he doesn't tend to um, to say more than a couple of words here or there. But despite that, he's still actually a really integral part of the party, as far as, like, both character decisions and I think just, like, the general vibe that he brings to the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'd agree. He's he's basically the silent Bob of our party. You know, he doesn't say much. He's very he is expressive though, and he's very much like, you know, when he does have something to say, basically everybody shuts up and listens to him because <laughs> he doesn't talk much. So, yeah, yeah. But I think the key thing is that like, just because his character doesn't have very many words to say, doesn't mean that he stops role playing, because he always is describing what his character is doing or like what his character is trying to communicate and you know obviously in like a movie it's very easy to like well not easy but you you can find actors who can convey information with just a look whereas for him he's like you know i want to give a look that kind of indicates this feeling right mm-hmm. um and this comes down to our imaginations at that point yeah but like it, it does the job right like he doesn't it need does. to to literally make the face um but he can say like you know it's like you know, my character, uh, my character grunts, but he gives a, an approving look. And it's like, okay, like, I get what that's supposed to be. Or he grunts, at, but, like, it's a look that conveys that, like, he really doesn't think you should do this. And it's like, I just have to go with it and assume that our characters know each other well enough at this point that I can pick up on the subtlety that he's trying to communicate. Um, it's always fun watching him try to deal with an NPC that doesn't know him, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would... Which is definitely interesting, um, for sure, because he doesn't have the highest charisma score. Um, no. Although, truthfully, I do have a higher charisma score, and it's also interesting trying to interact with NPCs as my character as well. <laughs> yeah. She's not, she's the, not very nice. The quote-unquote chaotic evil uh, person with high charisma. <laughs> well, I'm neutral evil. I'm neutral evil. Now you are. You started chaotic evil, though. Listen, I did. You started that character was chaotic evil. Chaotic evil is the most good of all the evils. That's not an incorrect statement. Uh, I suppose. <laughs> Lawful evil is the most evil. It's the evil you don't see coming. That's true. I mean, arguably chaotic evil is the evil that is most likely to do a good thing. That's true. On accident, but yeah. No, on purpose. <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> Yes, Why through the rules. Because chaotic. Rules. <laughs> chaotic. Yeah, they can they could, you know, decide to do that sort of thing. Although I will say that like being chaotic evil doesn't give you a license to just do whatever you want. Uh, much less much like some, how some players some things. some players think that it does though. Cause like they're like, oh chaotic evil, so it's like, you know, it's like the Joker. He just does whatever and fucking causes chaos. He just wants to watch World Burn. The but thing he doesn't. Is... No, he does cause chaos. The problem is, he is not chaotic. He's always in control. He is following rules. We just don't know what the rules are. Yeah, because, like, the thing is, is that, like... (laughs) Well, I'm... uh, To put it another way, the Joker is... You know, does cause chaos, but the Joker still has a consistent character. Which I think is the thing that people miss when they say, like, oh, chaotic neutral is chaotic, whatever. Like, you can do whatever you want. Because, like, yeah, maybe. 
but you need to create a character around that. Like, and this is kind yeah. of what character arcs are about at the end of the day is being able to like create this consistent, you know, character that you can step into and play, you know, kind of to that point. Yeah. The Joker does cause chaos, but the Joker is consistent across mediums. If someone, you know, writes the Joker, you can write the Joker wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like the fact yes. that he yes, can do can. whatever doesn't mean that you can write him however because he has a character that's recognizable enough that you can pick up when it's not right that's true um so i think that when you're, you know in fact good nerds do call people out who write the joker wrong all the time i mean they they call out hmm. anyone who writes a character wrong like that is has a established you know story arc or or whatever i mean look at like um you know, I'll just do just a, a random example. Iron Man in in the event in the Avengers movies, the first two anyway. Like he doesn't act the same way that he acted in his own films, and it's very obvious that someone different is writing him. And it's like, okay, like, cool. So you're gonna take all that character growth that he had in the first two Iron Man movies and basically throw it out the window for the first Avengers movie just to get, make him be the quippy, rich guy. You know, it's like everybody. And Joss Whedon does this a lot. It, you know, you can sum up his characters with like one or two words, and that's basically it. Um, but you know, for an ensemble movie, I guess you kind of have to sometimes. So it's hard. Anyway, we were talking about D and D, not other nerd shit. Listen, I mean, we can talk about whatever. We we it's free. Here's the thing, all right. And and if you watched us regularly, you would know. So that's how I know you don't watch us. I mean. Yeah, I, I totally click on the link every week. Anyways, we go off on these tangents because these are parts of the things that inspire our roleplay. We take inspiration from all of these other media that we like to inform how we roleplay, what things happen in games. That's so, like, we can talk about these things because they're direct influences on what we're doing. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Yeah, like D D doesn't happen in isolation, right? Um the the people that are sitting down at your table are coming in with preconceptions of both what the game is, what their character is, and kind of the things that are influencing that character. You don't sit down to play, you know, your monk every, you know, three weeks or whatever it is that we play, um in isolation. Like you're sitting down with the you know, all of the combined knowledge of the hours and hours you've spent covering Street Fighter and, you know, That's related true. media. So Yeah, you're right. You're right. I tr- I do I do try not to. Well, sometimes I try not to let you know other things influence the game too much. If that makes sense, I try to let the plot not be a direct lift of, of something else I've seen. But you know, I'm human, so. I mean, I think it's okay if you do, because the thing is that like. Writing's hard. <laughs> like creative writing specifically is like is. really hard to do well. It's very um, Yeah. So like it's okay if you borrow ideas. Like there aren't very many original ideas left anyways. So like invariably That's something's true. gonna be taken from somewhere. That's so true. just put your own spin on it. It's okay. You know, if you wanna play you know, Natsu from fairy tale in your Star Wars game, you're more than welcome to try that. Um, uh, Alan. So, 
<laughs> and like that's fine, right? Like he has because the thing is this is that like when you're new to role playing, having that like seed of a character really helps. Like I think that like Dremis and for instance, your your Arkin Trickster Rogue benefits a lot from the fact that you're basically lifting Joe Pesci's speech pattern almost word for word. That's true. Yeah. Um, because it helps yeah. you make him more consistent from week to week. Because if you're not sure how your character should act, you just lean on what Joe Pesci would do. I mean, just curse unintelligibly, really. But that, that's, that's just... <laughs> that's basically what ends up happening. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's okay to do that. Um, and I think, like, if you're a new player kind of thinking about, you know, kind of doing a character arc, it, it's helpful to kind of just get a good idea on who your character is first, and then maybe think about where you would like your character to be, and try to make it something cooperative with the other players. I don't think a good character arc would be, you know, I learned to betray my friends. It's like, oh, this, this is maybe not going to be the best. Unless everybody's kind of on board with that from the get-go. Or, or, unless you work out with your DM that you're going to end up being a twist villain in the end. Mm. That's Which, a thing. That does happen. Wow, really? Man. I've never I've never seen that happen before. This is, yeah. this I, is I, how I really I'm know. I'm referencing something that you've, that you've told me about. Uh, <laughs> you are very aware of this. <laughs> this is how I know you for sure you don't watch us. We talk about this literally every episode. <laughs> Oh, I see. Well, <laughs> listen. I've I've listened to the intro of several episodes, and I've I've I had the stream on the background. We genuinely appreciate it. I do. Yeah, I hope so. I always. I'm do. sorry. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not a a religious bish- uh, listener to talking is a free action, but I mean it's free, so like I, it's always going to be here. So oh, exactly. it's not it's always going to be here. Oh, what what it always what always be free. So what? When you guys have subs, it'll be talking is a four ninety nine action or absolutely ninety five. Talking is the eight ninety five action. You you heard it here first. No, 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 no. From Canada Cup, it'll be a four ninety nine action. We only require tier one subs. Oh, I see. <laughs> talking is a prime action. That's what it's really gonna be. I, I've played I've played a prime at least once in my life, so I can <laughs> I can agree with that. Um, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> what? Um, well, what? What? You could, were you an Optimus Prime? Hmm? I was Galvan like Prime. Prime. Oh, I see. You played it. You played the Transformers game? No, no. It was a superhero game. And, oh, uh, okay. I was, I was a uh, a electrokinetic, but also a kinetic duplicate, so I could I could duplicate myself. Why? 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 Is there is there a Transformers rulebook? Probably. So, like, why, is, why have I never heard of this? This is going to sound very familiar to some sketchier parts of the internet, but if it exists, there's a role playing system for it. Ah, uh, I, 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 I see you're a man of culture as well. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> it might not be a good system, but it exists. I promise. Yeah. It's true. I mean, if not, you could always just play GURPS and do it that way. That's true. <laughs> but who wants to learn GURPS? I mean, somebody, I guess. 
I learned GURPS. Uh, it was awful learning GURPS. Yes, yeah, someone I, someone I know swears by GURPS over D20. I mean, GURPS is great. It's fantastic. It's way too much to have anybody learn just to play d Yeah. Honestly, one of the biggest level-ups for 5th edition is paring down the rules as much as they did. Yeah. It's I mean, honestly, going back to older systems. Yeah, it, it's... Believe me, like trying to learn how to play D and D on even on three five was like, it was it was a lot. It was like a lot of reading you had to do and a lot of understanding of things that like you wouldn't understand how they work until you're at the table and then like, you know, it just takes forever. Even then, I know a lot of experienced three point five players who could not tell you how to trip. Like a lot. I don't even know how to trip. I can't remember. Like, I do think 3.5 is one of the most complex systems that exists. Oh, it's up there. As far as D20 <laughs> systems, at least. Yeah. And I know that we've talked about this before, but um, but yeah, definitely, I think 5th you know, edition's like lack of complexity, or at least lack of upfront complexity, goes a really long way towards getting more people into the game, which I think is partly why the game has had such a, you know, kind of a boom lately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that def- it definitely helps get people to the table when you can just be like, here, like, don't worry about all these other complex rules. Just, you know, here's a character sheet. Just learn yeah, these numbers roll, and when to learn roll these this numbers. Time. Yeah, exactly. Learn learn when to roll, where, where where to find things in your sheet, and when I ask you to roll whatever it is, roll that. So it's definitely the easiest way to get someone into the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, cause like honestly, I've definitely introduced people into this into fifth edition specifically, where like I'm confident if this was some other edition, would not have would not have flown <laughs> like, I mean, they... <laughs> like most of our most of our campaign wouldn't wouldn't have worked the people that have played in it i don't think um like i don't think uh andrew would have for example would have been down to learn three five necessarily uh, i mean because like even now like i mean he's a lot better with it now he understands a lot more of the game but like there is still a lot of fifth edition that he doesn't understand mm-hmm um, you know, and again, like that's not a bad thing. Like you can play no, for not. years and not understand it. Not everybody needs to have a DM's understanding of the core rule system. No, of course not. I mean, like you know, they if they honestly, if someone can can show up and like just be there every week, I'm happy to teach them whatever they need to know. Yeah, and I think that if if anybody can take away anything from this episode, it's just know your character. Like just know your character. Yeah. If if you don't know anything else about anything, know your character, and that'll help you be consistent when it comes with, you know, how you interact in different situations, how you interact with the other player characters in the party. And... But not, not, not just that, though, but also know your character sheet. I, I think that's also an important thing to, to, like, you know, know what's on your character sheet, know, you know, kind of, like, what things you've acquired throughout the, throughout the uh adventure that sort of thing like don't don't rely on your dm to mm. do all that legwork for you even if you're a new player you gotta at least kind of like you know have an understanding of how your character sheet works and like where everything is so 
that way you're not holding up the whole table uh, every time that you need to roll a stealth check or or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. But that being said, like you know, there's a learning curve to it too. So like you know, know your character, know who they are and how they react to things, but also know how they functionally do things in the game. Um, you know, if your character has a a particular style or way of doing things that that other characters don't just mechanically you need to know how that works so that way like you know you're not completely bogging down the table or just you know pick something easy for your first class that's probably the best thing to do don't don't play a wizard your first time around you don't think so you don't think wizards are, are friendly enough for first-time players i i do not no i think, I think they have too many choices uh, oh man I should not tell you that my first character was a, a level seven sorcerer. I mean, my uh, listen. I'm also I'm speaking from experience here. Like I played in three five. I played a uh, a sorcerer for my first character, and for whatever reason, I decided he was going to wield a a, a two bladed sword and have a martial expertise with the sword for some reason. Uh, don't <laughs> ask me why. He he did though, and he was gonna. I was gonna try and play him as a spell sword, but he wasn't set stated that way, and it did not end well. <laughs> Who doesn't love playing a good gish? Yeah, <laughs> we all know I do. I mean, I definitely did the same thing for my first character. Yeah. My first character actually was not a gish. He was just a sorcerer. My. So the first character that I built to play, because I, I played pre-gen characters prior to, but the first uh, one that real, I built... Real, real, real quick, real quick. Uh, just, to, just for uninitiated listeners, what's a gish? Oh. oh. <laughs> well, a gish oh, is a character that attempts to be good at everything. They have uh, they have some of the melee combat, some of the, some of the magic combat, maybe a little bit of self-healing. Uh, imagine the main character of basically any shonen anime. They're probably a gish. I see. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> so, um... So, uh, yeah. My, my first character was definitely a, uh, a scion from 3.5 uh, who had a oh, bastard sword and uh, I was definitely playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts because I had chakram rings at that time as well. So I picked up that exotic <laughs> weapon proficiency just for those. Okay, Axel. <laughs> wow. It was so cringy. It was so cringy. Jeez. But also, science were just broken in three point five. So like, yeah, you know, there was that too. Yeah, yeah. I think my were. favorite did it work? Ectoplasmic cocoon is a broken spell or broken psionic ability that is not a spell and thus cannot be counterspelled. Okay, well, I I, I bet your DM is rolling over somewhere, sneezing or. Whatever with what a headache that was to deal with. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get into that, but I definitely, I definitely hope some things are happening. Um, that said, uh, it was a an interesting character to play for sure, and it was challenging because there were so many different options. Um, so, I think that's part of it. But I do think that if you're, I don't know, nobody sits down to play Dungeons and Dragons and doesn't want to use magic a lot of the time for the first character, so. Um, so I do think if the character is really jazzed, like, I think the most important thing for a new player is that they're excited to play their character. So even if it is a wizard, I wouldn't necessarily dissuade them from doing that. 
Um, mm-hmm. I would instead perhaps not limit their choice, but try and shepherd some of their choices as far as like spell selection, because I think that's the hardest part. That yeah, uh, that is that is a very difficult part. Like once you, I guess once you pick your spells and everything, it's just comes down to okay, I want to point and shoot, right? But you know, um, you don't want to end up with like, oh, I have like all these uh, spells that are like super. AOE intensive and like the party full fighters and you know I never I, I use them. I actually kind of disagree a little bit because I think one of the big mistakes that people make when they do stat wizards is they pick too many spells that overlap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. Um, so like a character picks up like you know a damage dealing range spell and then you know before you know it they have like four of them over the course of a couple of levels and it's like oh. All of my higher level spells do the same thing, but just have a different damage type. Yeah. So, um. That is why my character only had magic missile. If he wanted to deal damage, magic missile, that's it. (laughs) I I don't think that's accurate. This first character, it's all he did. Oh, really? He was a divination sorcerer, he focused on divination things. Honestly, I want to play a divination wizard. Uh, I think my most cast spell was like detect thoughts. Ooh, that's a good. That one makes too. sense. I just went around reading people's minds, and the DM was like, "I don't, I don't want to come up with with inner thoughts for every NPC." And I was like, "Why'd you let me take the spell then?" <laughs> See, I think that's just, just a DM fault. <laughs> Excuse me, I think this is just a DM who's just not good at like making stuff up. Like I, I think I would definitely lean on the the flavor text from telepathy from um from magic. I think like the seventh edition version or whatever. And I, the flavor text says something along along the lines of the most disappointing part about learning how to read minds is realizing how boring people are. Mm-hmm. So like if you were like, you know, I want to read that guy's mind, it's like that guy is wondering what he's gonna eat for lunch today. Yeah. Pretty much, or or you say, like, "Oh, gotta go." You, you you hear a grocery list. It's like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, or like that guy is thinking that he might have some gas, and he's not quite sure. <laughs> that guy really wants to get home and see his wife. <laughs> I don't so... blame him. I don't blame yeah. him one bit. No, right. Like, I think the reality is just most people are not thinking about their deepest, darkest secrets at any given point in time. No. No, no they're not. You just kind of have to prompt them. <laughs> so, um, like that, uh, like, like that bard subclass we talked about last time. <laughs> uh, why do bards exist? Because they have to sing. Computer, why are bard? Because... <laughs> They can dance if they want to. Just okay, Google. Leave their friends behind. Why is Bard? <laughs> oh, my phone tried to answer me. And if they don't dance, then they <laughs> are no friends. Skynet is taking over. <laughs> We're going to be right. running this show. That's what's going to happen. Um, so. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh... So I think that. Um, yeah, I think we all kind of agree that like just knowing your character is really important and um be okay changing it, I think is probably another good good general tip. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't don't be disappointed if it doesn't 
Like, don't be like really tied to your initial concept because if if you if you are like you're just gonna end up disappointed that it's not going exactly the way you plotted it out in your head or the whatever manga you've been writing in the background or or whatever it's it's gone on a tangent. Who knows, right? Like, it's not gonna it's not gonna turn out exactly uh, the way you 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 initially envision it, no matter how coordinated you and your dm have uh have made the story uh i mean unless like <laughs> you you're okay with spoiling it literally every week um which that would get pretty boring after a while i think but um yeah no it, it definitely uh you know change is uh, good <laughs> so unironically <laughs> i think you actually read my mind um because i was actually going to ask um, as far as like major moments, do you think that those have? Do you think that those have to be exclusively surprises for the players, or, or do you think that you can kind of let the the PC in question know that you have this kind of moment on the horizon, or, or do you think that like you want to get that raw I th- reaction? I, th- I think it. I think it depends on what it is, right? Like how major is it? Is it supposed to surprise the characters? And I think the players should be surprised if it's not a surprise to the character. Like, if this is, you know, based on information the character knows already, then maybe you might be able to plan it out, but you know, or at least give, like, a general heads up of, hey, like, you might want to start thinking about this part of your backstory or whatever. Um, you know, but I, I, I do think that the raw reaction is more fun uh, for everybody at the table. Because otherwise, like, if it's too planned out, the other players at the, at the table are like, oh, this is just like whatever bullshit they already. This like, is our final fantasy cutscene. Yeah, this is this is the this is the <laughs> cutscene where like I can zone out because it's just between them and it has nothing to do with anybody else at the table. Whatever, um, you know. But if it's a surprise, then it's, everyone is invested because you know it's clear that the player is surprised. So the other players are also going to be surprised with this new information and be like, "Oh my god, like that's crazy," uh, you know, and, and that kind of generates those memorable moments that you have around the table that you can bring up years later with your party and be like, hey, remember when? And just have a good laugh. That actually um, reminds me of a question I wanted to really ask you during um, today's um, episode, is the importance of kind of being invested in the other people's character arcs at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as a player character, like, do you have any tips for people on, like, how to do that? And, like, kind of what you should be doing when you can kind of tell that the spotlight is on somebody else? Um, just be polite, I think. Like, how, you know, you need to think about how how would you want someone to react to a surprise that happened to your character? Or do you want to be the person who's sitting there drumming their hand, their fingers on the table waiting for they can get back to the turn? Or, checking their phone. You know, checking their phone or, or what. <laughs> I I I I feel I feel uh, uh, attacked here, Owen. Um, you know, checking their phone or or talking to uh, uh, someone else that isn't at the table. Or, or what what whatever, uh, whatever the case. Whatever might be. they might be doing. Whatever they might be doing. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you basically you know treat others how you want to be treated is the basic thing. Um, try to find ways to. You know, if you want to remain invested and you, like, you have trouble with that kind of thing, you know, like, try to find ways for your character to be involved. Don't, like, you know, interject or whatever, but, like, you know, 
take notes on like maybe something you might want to ask the character about after after the fact or um how does this impact your character is it is it something that you learned about the big bad evil guy that that happened in the past that affects your backstory in some way or like that you know that kind of thing you you you're just generally looking for um you know how can i riff off of this in some way you know a lot of dnd comes down to improvisation anyway and then like one of the biggest rules in improv is just being able to say okay and and then so you you're just looking to build on whatever happens at the table so for that to happen you have to be kind of engaged and paying attention um you know now are there moments where you're going to space out and you're going to miss things or your character isn't there and shouldn't know anything but you know you still want to you know have a general reaction as a player so that you know gasp up gasp at appropriate moments i can be like whoa that's you know or that's bullshit you know get angry you know with the with the player i'm uh, mad i don't want your mad. lemons that's right I want your damn lemons. I'm gonna speak to the life manager. You know? Make a ball. Think. Think, Mark. Think. Get indignant. Right. <laughs> um so it really just comes down to just kind of being okay being each other's cheerleaders in a way. Yeah, basically. I mean like that's that's a very pretty succinct way to, to wrap all that up. I I would say just sort of, you know. Be there for the highs and the lows for your character for your each other's characters, and you know understand that, um, you know just because they're role playing something a way that you wouldn't role play it, you have to understand it's their character. So like, don't get, you know, impatient or whatever that they're not acting the way you think they should be acting. So yeah, I I definitely agree. Wait. I think that. Um... I think that we can do a lot of harm um, to a player's experience when we start to try and, like, usurp control or, like, criticize decisions. I think that, air quotes, mistakes can lead to a lot of really interesting story moments, like, even if they seem like dumb decisions at the time. And I think that as players at the table, we need to have people feel free to make those choices, even if they aren't the ones that we would make, and accept them as the interesting wrinkles in the tapestry of the story that they are. Yeah, no matter how much it fucks up uh, the character arc or whatever your preconceived notion of what the party should be doing. Like the time Nick blew me up. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that's definitely something I definitely something I've had to I've struggled with over the years is is like coming to terms with not bringing something that I think is a dumb decision like, out of the game. Like, if I'm gonna react to something, I think something's dumb, I'm gonna have a character tell you it's dumb. I'm not gonna, you know, tell you it's dumb when we're out getting pizza two days later. Like, you know, and be mad about it. You know what I mean? I definitely um, agree. I like turning those things into character moments. Yeah. Something, it's something I've I've learned <laughs> over time, I think. Because before, like, I've definitely been guilty of this. It's very much like, you know, uh, holding a grudge when someone's done something really dumb in the game that's fucked up a character moment or something that I wanted to go a certain way. And it didn't go that way because of whatever dumb thing someone has said or done or a bad role or whatever. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's just, it, it's just, uh, 
it's not worth it. It's not worth getting mad over. It's a game, right? And it's a shared storytelling experience. It's not just you telling a story. It's the table telling a story. So whatever happens at the table needs to just be understood as that's how the story played out. Yeah, and again, like I wasn't trying to call you out, but more so. I know, like, but I know, I, 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 I know, I know you weren't attacking me. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm trying to use my experience to teach a what I think is a valuable lesson for players. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that you were looking then, for me to do that, but I, I took it upon myself to use myself as an example because I know myself best. So. Well, that's, that's what I was getting at is that like I think that you've gotten a lot better at it. Um, so like I think that that perspective is really valuable because I think it's easy to, to wax poetic about the values of other people doing what they want, you know, during a session, if you're already somebody who doesn't really care too much about it. But I think that, I, I don't know, maybe you might disagree with me. Would you say that it's like partly like a competitive mindset in a way? That you yeah. Want I, 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 I think that when I, when I first started getting into D&T, when then, you know, it's definitely something that, like I've played video games competitively, and like I'm not very good, but I've I I have that <laughs> mindset, you know, of always trying to win and trying to be on top, you know. Um, so that sort of you know competitive mindset, if you come into that into D and D with that mindset, it, you're not going to have a very good time because it's not it, it's not a game that you win. You're not competing against anybody. You're telling a story with the table. Yeah, you're trying to beat the big bad evil, you know, evil person or whatever, but like that's that's the goal of the story. That's not like you don't lose if like your character doesn't get to do what you want them to do. So like um definitely it's it's more of a yeah, this is like a, a cool interactive fantasy novel that I'm or sci-fi or whatever genre you're playing of of uh D&D that, that you're reading every week with a group of people. Uh, you know, not a game that is meant to be won necessarily. No, I like to win. I mean, everybody likes to win, Marvin, but you can't win at D and D. Oh, want to bet? <laughs> Wait for Gris to die. See what happens. <laughs> I mean, it, it, unless you unless you're very much a uh, oh, what's the word? Why are words failing me tonight? Yeah, just tonight. Not masochist. What's sadist? the other word? Not sadist. That, although that is. All those last two words could apply to someone playing D&D. Um, no, a um, someone who likes to control everything. Control freak? Yes, but there's an actual word for it. Why I'm just gonna I... stop because I'm gonna I'm gonna get political. Words. Machiavellian. Yeah, that 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 can work. Um, sociopath. That's what I was thinking. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. See. yeah. <laughs> that was the word. <laughs> Imagine being such a magnificent bastard in history that your name gets turned into a description of your behavior. <laughs> One day. That's what Machiavellian must be like. <laughs> One day people will say something as Marvin and Yeah, I mean that is definitely a thing to aspire to. Uh, 
My name is my name has been used in, in synonymous with failure before, so like you know, it's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> Ooh, that's rough, buddy. Yeah, it, it PvP Live was a rough was a rough environment. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. One thing I did want to point out is that even if your character dies, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've lost the game. No, <laughs> um, you just re-roll. Now, see if you re-roll and you still die. And another player is the one who's killing you every time. Then you lose. Then your DM should probably stop awarding experience and probably have a conversation with the other player. I don't want experience for this. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to kill his character because I don't like him. I've definitely seen <laughs> horror stories where that's the where that happened, where like the DM would award experience for killing PCs, like more experience. And so they had a situation where somebody kept trying to join the campaign and they just kept farming off of him. Yeah, GXC. This is terrible. Why would you do this? This is just bad. This is bad for everybody involved. Eric Eric was not a good DM. Let's just put it that way. Oh. <laughs> Makes me sad for him. Eh. I felt I feel worse for his players. Yeah. I mean that's tough too, right? Because like at the end of the day, like if I don't know. Like I know, there's always that saying that, like you know, no D and D is better than bad D and D. But I think it's definitely like a cost analysis that you have to run, like whether it's worth it. Because you definitely don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're like regularly exposing yourself to that kind of toxicity. But like, if you're having fun, then you know you should do it. I think it really just comes down to being honest about if you are actually having fun. Yeah, that's fair. I think a lot of the players were not actually having fun and what just showing up because of social contract yeah probably <laughs> um yeah so um i know we're getting a little bit late and um, i did want to try and make a concerted effort for us to um to actually have somewhat shorter episodes because i think that'll be a little bit better for us in the long term um did any of you guys have any closing thoughts you want to to throw out there to character arcs, major moments, or really anything else? Uh, sure. Uh, you know, just have fun with it. Like, don't don't get like I said, like I said before, don't get upset if if a uh, character arc doesn't go exactly the way you wanted it to. You you have a good story to tell. At the end of the day, anytime you get a, a group of players around the table, you're you're gonna end up with some uh, some good stories and uh, moments for you to look back on fondly, regardless of, of how you expected things to go. Uh, you know, you have a general goal in mind and where you might like things to go, but uh, if they don't go how, how you planned them to, it, it's okay. Um, but otherwise, just uh, pull some dice, have some fun, and, uh, you know, go out there and, you know, introduce some someone to D&D this week. Very cool. Marvin? It's been said countless times tonight, but... Know your character. That's all I got. Very cool. And um, I'm just going to amend what Dustin said. Introduce them to our podcast, uh, which is now on Spotify. Um, first two episodes. And uh, currently it's in the free. process of uploading the, the backloads. And yes, it doesn't cost you anything. If you know anybody who likes uh, this kind of thing, have them follow our Twitch channel too. Subscribe on YouTube. They don't even have to like D and D. They could just like free things, and they could follow it. They could just like because listening to people talk. <laughs> and as always, anything. 
as always, you can uh, type exclamation mark Discord or exclamation mark links to join our Discord or see all of our social media and uh, content links. Um, They'll also be in the show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube, they will be in the description on the YouTube video. Right on. Well, and uh, where 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 can uh, where can everybody find you on social media, folks? <laughs> oh, they've they've all heard us tell tell them that so many times. But where can we find you? Okay, well, you can find me on social media at Get Steinerd on Twitter. Um, I also have a Instagram, same name that I barely use, and uh, you can read my work on esportstalk.com. Uh, and uh, I have highlights of my uh, esports reporting career on SteinerEsports.com. Very nice. And uh, as far as the show is concerned, I think we also have an Instagram now, which is kind of cool. Um, we do have an Instagram. Uh, the link is in links, I think. And uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, of course, we are um, at uh, T-I-A-F-A podcast. Um, so uh, it's just the acronyms of the show. So if you check us out there, uh, we'll have a post, of course, uh, up weekly about when the next show is going to be. Uh, and uh, yeah, other than that, uh, thank you for all of the all of those are free actions, by the way, just like talking. Oh, actually, actually, uh, our link tree does not have them all as free. Actions. Sorry to tell you that. No, what? <laughs> Not everything oh, is a free action. I've, listen, following is a free action. So is clicking on the link. All these are free actions. I well, I suppose sure. you have to. I suppose you have to pay for your internet. So <laughs> you know, I it mean, could be you know, argued that it's not really free, but it doesn't cost you anything extra. You don't explicitly have to pay for internet, depending on what your setup is. Um, I, I, I will be your branding manager by the end of this. I promise. <laughs> and with that we're gonna close out for the evening <laughs> so so thank you so much for stopping by everyone thank you so much for listening and uh take care of yourself have a good night everybody take care